If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful pair of shows to you. Great to spend some time together. Discuss ideas. Look at the partial. Look at the week. Look at what's happening right now. And to take a look at the Jewish calendar and to see why the time that we're in is a very special time. A time that we have to think about serious matters. It's a time that we have to think about why, in fact, we are here and what we have to be doing. It's a time, in fact, to understand what are the great privileges that we've been given by God and in turn, what are the great responsibilities that God imposed upon us and expects us to fulfill? It's a time of great danger, as we well know. Here in the Gauteng, everybody is saying that the pandemic is spiking. Be safe, be healthy, make sure that you follow all the rules as much as possible. And unless it's absolutely necessary, don't leave your home. Try and stay home. It's safest. Be at home and stay away from mingling with other people. In fact, our medical advisors have been telling us that we should be very, very concerned at this particular time. In actual fact, the pandemic is growing at such a rate, it's quite frightening. Please, God, Hashem should have mercy upon us. It should all turn out and turn away from us and turn out to be ultimately, in a sense, a blessing that we don't appreciate right now. We pray to God and we hope and pray that a vaccine will soon be found and the world can continue in a good way to fulfill whatever it has to fulfill in the healthiest possible environment. As mentioned before, it's a very special Shabbos. The Shabbos is Shabbos Chazon. Shabbos Chazon, of course, named after the opening words of the Haftarah that we read this week, Chazon Yishayahu. He had a vision. The Chazon is a vision. And what is that vision? The vision was one of destruction. He lived 150-odd years before the destruction of the first temple. But if, with his prophetic greatness, he saw that unfortunately, the Jewish people would be behaving in a way, or are behaving in a way, that would unfortunately cause the destruction of the temple and the exile of the people. And our commentaries, our sages, our rabbis tell us something quite interesting. At the time that Isaiah Yeshayahu lived, the Jewish people certainly as it appeared, we're observing Jews in the full sense of the word. The temple was functioning. Everything was working perfectly. In actual fact, there were great academies of study. It appeared as if the Jewish people were behaving precisely the way that God expects them to behave. But beneath that surface of piety lay tremendous, tremendous corruption. And Isaiah is speaking to the people and telling them, understand, it's not only how you appear, but how you actually are. You have to somehow correct that problem that lies beneath your external behavior. Yes, you might appear to be a wonderful, observant, and pious person, but are you really? Do you care about others? Are your judgments correct? Are your courts honest in actual fact? Isaiah saw a type of corruption and corrosion taking place beneath the surface of the Jewish people. And he said, this will not end well. This will end only with the destruction of the temple. And of course, this Parsha Devorim, when we read the Haftarah Chazan, is always the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av, when we unfortunately again have to commemorate the destruction of the temple, the exile of the people, 
the enemy had entered Jerusalem and burned the temple down. And this is what Isaiah is telling us. Isaiah is telling us, understand that it's not only your superficial behavior that counts, it's your inner behavior. You might appear to be right, but actually are you right? Do you care about others as you should? And if not, God forbid, the end, as I said before, will not be a happy one. And this is the Shabbos. This Shabbos we commemorate through reading the Haftarah Chazon Yeshayahu. And as we approach during these nine days, that day of Tisha B'Av, a day of intense sadness, a day of intense mourning, a day that we fast, a day that we remember with tremendous pain. And in the keynote that we read and the dirges that we read, we come across so many of the stories that happened to the Jewish people during the time of the destruction and during the time of exile. It doesn't make for easy reading. It doesn't make for pleasant reading. It talks to us about how the enemy overwhelmed us to such a degree that everything about us, our lives, our dignity, everything began to fall apart. They were so tyrannical. They were so sadistic as they attacked the Jewish people in Jerusalem and throughout Israel that to this day we every year commemorate that terrible moment, that terrible episode when the temple was destroyed. And this is this week's Parsha. At the same time, and we'll talk about this later on, our Hasidic master, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Abarditchev, who always saw the merit within each and every single Jew, regardless of how he behaved, said that there is another vision that you have to see, another vision that exists as well. Yes, of course, the immediate translation of Chazon is the vision of Isaiah, the vision of destruction. But there is a vision beyond the vision of destruction, and that's the vision of redemption, when the third temple will be rebuilt by Mashiach. It will once again become the central house of God, bringing tremendous, tremendous revealed miracles. And Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Ardichev says that on each Shabbos Chazan, each and every single Jew is shown that third temple. And while, of course, one has to work and actually seeing it, seeing it at least in his mind's eye, it's important for us to understand that it's there and it's a gift that's given. And while we look at the vision of destruction, we look beyond destruction, rebuilding, redemption, return, the coming of Mashiach. And this is why the Lubavitcher Rebbe encourages us during this time to study aspects of the Torah, whether in the Torah itself and the prophets and the Mishnah and in the writings of the Rambam, to learn about the Beit HaMikdash, its structure, its purpose. And I will share with you one thought, and that is within the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh HaKadashim, there was a stone upon which the Aron HaKodesh, the Ark of the Covenant, rested. And in the Holy of Holies was also the staff of Aaron that proved the authenticity of his leadership within the temple, that he was the proper Kohen Godot, the high priest, as well as a container which had some of the manna, the man, that fell and fed the Jewish people. It was a place of extreme, extreme holiness on so many different levels. And Rambam points out how important this is all. And this is why when we are going through the nine days, we began with the three weeks, and this week, Rosh Chodesh, we started with the nine days. And as we approach Tisha B'Av, 
where the mourning of the sadness becomes more intense, more potent. It's important for us to understand, yes, we have, and we had a tremendous, tremendous loss. Destruction of the temple is something one can only imagine. Not only was it the center of Jewish life, it was the soul of the world. It was the center of spirituality and holiness in the world, and that was destroyed. People sent into exile. At the same time, we have to have faith. We have to have hope. We have to have strength. We have to fulfill the incredible, incredible fundamental of the Torah, and that is in the belief in the coming of Mashiach speedily in our time when the temple will be rebuilt. More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Parsha, the Parsha's devoted. It's not only the first Parsha, in the book of Deuteronomy, which we began to read this week, in actual fact, the Iron Book of Deuteronomy is called the Varim. The Varim words, times, places. The Varim has all sorts of different meanings within the context of this particular Pasha. And what an actual fact it is, it's the farewell speech that Moshe makes to his people, the people that he led, the people that he shepherded, the people that he protected, the people that he fought for, the people that from time to time he had to admonish, the people whom he loved with tremendous intensity, care, and responsibility. He is saying farewell to his people because this is the generation, this is the end of the 40 years wandering through the wilderness. It's time to come into the promised land. And Moshe has much to say at this farewell speech. Not only will he review, as the word Deuteronomy means, to once again say, to review many, if not most, if not all of the laws in the Torah, but he says it with his own language. He says it in a way which is somewhat different than we read in the first of the four books of the Torah. And this is the Varim. Moshe stands before the people, not only saying farewell, but also instructing them, talking to them, giving them insight into what will be happening and how they have to behave. He doesn't simply wave his hand and walk away and say au revoir, goodbye, good luck. No. He tells them precisely what they must do and how they must do it. He reviews the history with them. He reminds them of episodes during the time in the wilderness where they did not behave correctly, they did not behave well, and the consequences that they experienced as a result of the fact that they didn't behave well. Moshe, to the last moment of his life, cares about the people. And this is why it's not a long speech that he's making to say goodbye. It is a speech filled with instruction, with care, with love, with direction. It's a speech that will enable them, empower them to walk into the promised land, to walk into the promised land as a strong and proud people, take possession of the land, work the land, transform the land, make it into a truly Eretz HaKodesh, a holy place, a place of great sanctity, a place where there will be the revelation of godliness, a place where the Jewish people can, in fact, not only fulfill their purpose upon earth, but in actual fact become the light unto nations, as our prophets call them, because that is the land which displays the highest degree of ethical and moral behavior. This is what Moshe is telling them. And while we read the words of Yeshayahu Isaiah, 
in the Haftarah where the Jewish people did not fulfill that duty, that tremendous mission, that lofty goal in its fullest sense. Nonetheless, Moshe says you have the capacity to achieve that. You have the strength to achieve that. And you have to do whatever you can to bring out that inner power, that inner strength, that inner ability, that inner gift of tremendous greatness and become the people that God expects you to be. And this is why he speaks to a nation who are going to go not only into the promised land, but a nation who are going to live an entirely different type of lifestyle that the Jewish people lived up to now. Up to now, the Jewish people came out as slaves from Egypt, received the Torah, and spent 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert, as nomadic scholars studying the Torah, living within tremendous material, physical, and spiritual, spiritual protection and greatness. They had the manna falling down from heaven on a daily basis feeding them. They had the water from the well of Miriam giving them nutrition that they needed. They had the clouds of Aaron that protected them from heat, from cold, from enemies, from anything within the desert. They lived a perfectly idyllic life. And now they're going to cross the Jordan, come into the promised land, and live an entirely different type of land. They are going to become soldiers to take possession of the land. They are going to become farmers to work the land. Instead of sitting back most of the time within spiritual realities so they could study the Torah completely and freely, they will have to work the land. They will have to change that type of seeming idyllic state into one which will make different types of demands upon them. And Moshe knows this. And Moshe understands this. And Moshe knows that this transition will not be an easy transition for the Jewish people because coming from the place that they did and entering into a different reality where the physical, material pressures of life of changing the actual physical land will be up to the efforts of their own strength, their hands. Moshe knows that he has to give them a different type of instruction now. He has to gift them with a different type of greatness. And this is why I point out that within the book of Devar and Deuteronomy, Moshe speaks in the first person. He talks to them directly. Without, within the, out, the, within the entire Torah, whenever we come across Moshe, it's God speaking to Moshe and God spoke to Moshe. We speak about Moshe in the second and third person. Over here, it's in the first person. He speaks directly to the people. And the reason this is so is not only because it's the words that come out, as we say, it comes out within the language of Moshe, the words of God within the language of Moshe. It's because he understands that he has to speak to this generation differently than he spoke to the previous generation. The previous generation stood at Sinai. The previous generation saw revealed the miracles on a daily basis. The previous generation saw the presence of godliness within the world without any distortion whatsoever. They couldn't deny the miracles that happened, the manna coming down, the clouds protecting them, walking through this barren world and coming out as a great nation. This generation... This generation is going to leave the world of revealed miracles within daily life 
they will of course see revealed miracles within the holy temple within Jerusalem, but in daily life they will have to work the land in order for them to eat, in order for them to have bread. They will have to plow the land, see the land, harvest the land. They will have to actually work. And because of that, there is always, there is always the possibility that they will become so overwhelmed by the material reality and not seeing the revealed presence of God, but seeing the natural order, which is also the creation of God and the presence of God, but in a different way, they might walk away from a life of spirituality, from a life of holiness, from a life of understanding that God gave them a very real and specific mission. And this is why he speaks to them directly. He tells them, although in very polite language, as we begin to read the Parsha of the Varim, Rashi points out that what we are being told has to be understood because it's not direct in the sense that Moshe is going to admonish them by saying your fathers of past generation didn't behave all that well and that's why they couldn't come into the land. He speaks to them subtly. He speaks to them indirectly. First of all, in order to show how precious each and every one of them is to him. He is not going to scold them with a language of harshness He's going to talk to them. He will speak about a place. He will speak about a time. And they will understand what he's saying. And this is something which is important for us to understand. When you have to admonish, when you have to criticize, when you have to tell an individual that their behavior is incorrect, it's best not to do it directly and harshly because it may not be heard. It may be too painful and too hurtful. You speak about it gently. You speak about it indirectly. You make the person understand on his or her own that something is being told him. But Moshe knows he has a responsibility now. And that responsibility is to talk to the people and tell them, despite the incredible change in lifestyle that you are going to go through by coming into the promised land, despite the fact that you won't see the revealed miracles on a daily basis within daily life, you'll have to work at seeing it. Despite all of that, know that this is the ultimate purpose of why God is bringing you into the promised land. Of course, God can give you a life of constant revealed miracles. And in many times, many situations he does. And many times he does. God, in fact, shows us miracles. But what we see is not the miracle of God necessarily. What we see is the natural order and function of the world. When we take a look at the world, we are impressed with the natural structure and the natural system. It takes effort, it takes study, it takes faith, it takes dedication, it takes honesty, it takes a tremendous unbiased view of self in order to see the godliness in the world. But that's the duty, that's the responsibility. Of course God can give us revealed presence of greatness and holiness, but God tells us he wants us to develop these gifts, these insights, these powers with our own effort, through our own study. And this is why Moshe speaks to them directly. And what does he say toward the end of the parsha? He's speaking to Joshua, who will be his successor, who will actually take the Jewish people. And he says, have no worries, have no fears. You have witnessed, you have seen the great miracles. You have seen the presence of God. Make sure that you transmit the visions that you had. Make sure that what you have seen you teach the people and understand fully. You will come across a great enemy, a great physical enemy and a great spiritual enemy. But know that God will battle for you. 
Yes, of course you have to do what you have to do. The human has to put his effort into a situation, but at all times to realize that behind the human effort is the great blessing of God. It's not what we do. It only appears to be what we do. What we do is blessed many times over by the miraculous invisible presence of God which shows us success and shows us whatever it is that we have to do, we do with greatness and we do with purpose. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the great farewell speech that Moshe is making to his people, a speech that tells them their history, a speech that tells them their destiny, and a speech that tells them how they can survive. Not only survive in the simple sense of the word, but how they in fact can become the great nation that God expects of the Jewish people while they are in the Holy Land, in a world where they have to deal with material and physical things, this is the place they're able to rise to the highest possible level. And as mentioned earlier on, this is the vision of Isaiah as well. Isaiah speaks with, well, retrospect. He says, listen, you heard the speech. You know the speech, the farewell speech that Moshe gave you, but you did not live up to it. There's a time, yes where you were blessed with having the incredible presence of the Holy Temple that Solomon built. But over hundreds of years, somehow, again, you became corrupted. Many of you turned to idolatry. Many of you remained pious only externally. But in actual fact, God wants an authenticity and integrity that comes from within. And this is why he speaks about, he speaks about the idea of destruction unless they change their ways. And toward the end of the Haftarah, again, he gives us clear instructions of how all of this can be corrected. God forbid if there is a destruction and the people are sent as hostages into exile. How does he end the first chapter? How does he end the Haftarah that we are going to study tomorrow? He says as follows, Zion will be redeemed with the act of mishpat, of justice, of correctness, and the penitents, those who are lost in distant and far lands materially and spiritually, will be redeemed through the act of tzedakah, of great righteousness. And our sages tell us what this refers to is not only justice and righteousness as we see within legal systems but it goes beyond that into the practicalities that a mishpat refers to the study of Torah and tzedakah refers to the actual simple translation the act of giving charity and now is the time particularly now as we are battling with this great epidemic the COVID it is important for us to understand that we have to intensify our study of Torah. And it's so easy today, with all the Zooms going on, every single shul, every single rabbi has all sorts of shirin study classes on the Zoom, and it's easy to connect. One doesn't have to leave the house. And so many of these classes are exceptionally, exceptionally good. Just reach out to your shul, reach out to your rabbi and ask, where can I connect with a Torah study program that will fit my my schedule. And the act of charity as well. Yes, now is a time that everybody's going through economic difficulties. But we, thank God, have a beautiful community. 
and we have wonderful schools and wonderful shuls and organizations that concern themselves with the welfare organizations that concern themselves with the less fortunate. Now is a time more than any other when it is difficult to support our schools, to support our schools. Yes, many people think we're not going to shul, we don't have to support it. Now is a time that you have to support more than any other time. Those organizations, the welfare organizations that care about people and difficulty people and, well, situations of difficulty in the best of times, particularly now, support them as well. It's a time of Torah and stuck. And we mustn't forget, we mustn't for one moment forget the teaching of Rebbe Yitzchak of Bardichev, that in addition to the vision of destruction, we also have to see the vision of rebuilding. And rebuilding means the coming of Mashiach. The coming of Mashiach means that God's purpose will be revealed throughout the entire world in the fullest sense of the word. Word. And this is something that we have to hope and pray for. And this is something that we have to try and see. And the only way that we can see is through studying Torah, by doing the mitzvot, by fulfilling the commandments, by living a life not only of external piety, but inner spirituality. We're all religious. We're all observant to a lesser or greater degree. But we have to, in fact, begin to become examples of spirituality, of an intensity that shows that we are people of faith, we are people of goodness, we are people of morality, we are people who live an ethical life as well. And this is one of the reasons why so many throughout the world are currently studying the works of the Rambam, whether it's three chapters of the day, of Mishnah Torah, whether it's one chapter or even the mitzvot. And you can hear the mitzvot right here in Chai FM every single morning, 6.36 a.m. on the Howard Feldman Show. And if you want to receive a wonderful recording every single day except Shabbos, that'll happen on Shabbos evening. But if you want to receive on your WhatsApp a short two-minute share which contains the mitzvah of the day, then send your name and number to the following WhatsApp number. That's plus two seven eight two eight six two seven four nine nine. That's plus two seven eight two eight six two seven four nine nine. And ask to be put on the list to receive the WhatsApp daily two minute mitzvah of the day. This is Shabbos Chazon. And yes, as I said earlier on, Shabbos Chazan ushers in a time that we think about tragedy, we think about destruction, we think about exile, we think about the pain and suffering that our people have gone through throughout the ages. It's the Shabbos of Devorim. Devorim is always the Shabbos that's prior to Tisha B'Av, and that's why Shabbos Chazan as well. And this is a time that our hearts turn to a history that is filled with great difficulty. But it's important for us to act correctly and to do whatever we can to transform that reality of the past into a future of great blessing. And it's up to us. We can achieve it. And as I said before, it comes to the study of Torah, fulfillment of mitzvahs, particularly the mitzvah of tzedakah of charity, which is so very important at this particular time. This is what we can and must do. And if we must do it, we must do it with a sense of purpose and with a sense of joy. So when you read the Parsha tomorrow in the shul within your home, and you read the Haftarah as well, the vision of Isaiah, remember the other vision, the vision 
of the third temple, rebuilding the coming of Mashiach. Yes, it's a time that talks to us about sadness, but we can do something in order to change that and to turn these days, as our sages tell us, from days of sadness into days of great festivity and great joy to Shabbos.